0: This is a, is a little series we're doing just four weeks leading up to Easter, and um, it's called this, Can We Just Talk About It? Now, <clears throat> when you and I hear that, I wonder what emotion that evokes. If somebody says to us, hey, can we just talk about it? Uh, depending on who it is, it may evoke a lot of different emotions. You know, if it's, your, if it's your boss, it means one thing. If it's your friend, another. If it's your spouse, another. But nevertheless, <clears throat> sometimes we... We say this because we want to explain something, or say something, or communicate something to someone that that we believe is important, that we believe can be beneficial, that really matters to them. Albeit they may not, at the time, feel that it is important or that it matters to them. They're they're just not aware. They they don't care about it. So in other words, we say, "Can we just talk about it?" Because we want them to care about something that we believe they need to care about, but they don't care about. Now this is particularly important for we that as we sit here today we that have put our trust in Christ and call ourselves Christians because I hope this doesn't turn out too miserable for you I'm sorry I'll, I'll try. Um, we know that we that are followers of Christ we know that God has chosen to give us the opportunity to be his spokesman to be his ambassadors it says in scripture uh, to be his witnesses in other words God is building His kingdom. He is adding to His kingdom as we, His people, we, His followers, have intentional spiritual conversations with others. And then they start to become more interested in the truth about God, the truth about life, and ultimately many of those end up putting their trust in Christ and becoming His followers as well. But it's these intentional spiritual conversations that this four-week series is about. Now, I'm, I'm sure that many of us that are christians we we already know this we already would want to do this but we perhaps feel a little bit uncomfortable when it comes to actually doing it you know having these intentional spiritual conversations with people so here's the goal of this four-week series Um, my, my hope is first of all to make it where you feel far more comfortable about doing this that it will become something easier for you and more than being easier for you, that it, that it will be something you do more effectively. So it's kind of the best of both worlds. So if you're a little bit tensed up about hearing, oh man, here's one of these messages about you know, going and sharing your faith, just, just kind of relax, and just sort of let the Spirit of God take you on this journey, and you might be surprised to where we come. Now, we're gonna deal with kind of like four stereotypical types of people, and then there's lots and lots of types of people, but we can only deal with four in a four-week series but these are people that we do come across rather frequently and so it's good for us to at least be somewhat comfortable in recognizing these people and understanding how we might approach having a spiritual and intentional spiritual conversation with them so the person we're going to start with this morning i'm kind of calling this it's an individual that says to us even though we know they haven't put their trust in christ we know they're not a follower of christ but when when the whole subject of Christ or Christianity or religion or anything like that comes up they'll kind of come across in so many words and say well I'm 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 a good person and that's sort of the wall that they put up between us and having that conversation go any further it is the notion that hey I'm I'm already a good person it might be somebody they might say something like you know well well you know we've been going to church all our lives and you know grandma went to church and great-grandma, and we've always done this. Or they might say something like, well, you know, I I serve as a soup kitchen once a week, you know, or I go out on cold nights and I distribute blankets to people that are homeless and so on. So they come across that, you know, we don't have to have a further spiritual conversation with them because they're already good people. And perhaps we know some people like that, and, and, and they are not easy to speak to, and to try to elevate their awareness, to care about their relationship with Christ, their creator, because they feel like they're already good, they're they're good enough. So we're gonna gonna meet an individual today who is kind of the epitome of that, I'm good, I'm a good person, I'm good enough already. And we're gonna actually get to watch the way Christ himself interacts with this individual. So let's go to John chapter three, and we meet a man, You'll see his name is Nicodemus. It says, now there was a Pharisee. Pharisees were the conservative religious leaders in Jesus' day. They they believed in the Old Testament. They believed in miracles. They believed in the resurrection from the dead. Whereas their counter group were the Sadducees. They were more the political aristocrats, but they were also religious, but they did not believe in supernaturalism at all. They didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead and so forth. So the Pharisees were kind of the ones that the people looked up at as wow these are these are the the real holy people these are kind of the models if god's pleased with anybody he must be pleased with the pharisees was kind of the mindset of the people of jesus day now there was a pharisee a man named nicodemus who was also a member of the jewish ruling council so this guy he's not just a pharisee he's kind of an elite by the way about these pharisees to give you an idea of what they were were like in their behavior typical pharisee fasted twice a week meaning they went without food either for a few hours half a day or maybe a couple days a week they they gave scrupulously they made sure they gave 10 percent of all of their income even down to their vegetable gardens Um, they prayed three times a day and they had certain times when they prayed if they were like walking in the middle of the street and they knew the prayer time came the prayer time come they would stop raise their hands and draw quite a spectacle as they prayed they often wore these pouches on their heads that had scripture in in the pouch and they wore these pouches on their arms as well so they had all these dietary regulations they followed a scrupulous uh, biblical diet so so there was lots of ceremony lots of religious things that they observed so from the outside they looked like really, really religious people and they were but there's a difference between being religious and being good and I hope that we'll see that as this message goes on so here we go his name was nicodemus one of the jewish uh, of the jewish ruling council he came to jesus when now why would he come to jesus at night the jewish leaders the pharisees had pretty much gotten together and said whoever this guy is he's not the messiah he's not the christ he's not the one we have been waiting on for 1500 years he's an interesting teacher and he has some power that we cannot deny But he's not the guy. So they had already made up their minds. So Nicodemus goes at night because he's trying to save his reputation. He's moved by what he has seen in Jesus. He's moved by what Jesus teaches, and you'll see by what Jesus has done for others, but he doesn't want to spoil his reputation. He came to Jesus at night and he said, Rabbi, which means teacher, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. Notice he says, We know. He's speaking for the rest of the Pharisees, even though they had rejected Jesus. They knew, they knew that he was a teacher who has come from God. Why? For no one could perform the, what does it say? The signs you are doing if God were not with him. Now, we know that most of the signs that Jesus did, most of the miracles, were, were miracles of healing. He would do mass healings. It didn't matter what the disease was. Now, he did other things. He raised the dead three occasions. He walked on water. He stilled a storm with the word. But primarily, Nicodemus and the Pharisees were fixated on, get this, because this is going to be important later on in the message. It was simply Jesus' care and attention of ordinary sinful people. The way he would go out of his way, spend eight hours, ten hours a day, just healing ordinary sinful people. This struck Nicodemus, and so this is what he fixated on. Tuck this away, because later on in the message, this will be meaningful to to us. So it says, You're doing, you're doing, uh, you are doing if God were not with him. So let's go on. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see. The kingdom of God, unless they are what? Born again. Now, what did he mean, see the kingdom of God? Well, he meant you can't understand. The way god rules over human beings you you won't understand his methodology you won't understand the way god thinks about ruling over people you won't understand about who god wants to rule over the scripture clearly teaches that god only wants to rule over those that choose his rule only over those who want his rule i desire the will of god the the rule of god the rule of christ in my life because i trust him he has won my trust and so he's saying to nicodemus this religious guy who was very good in the sight of most people he's saying you you can't even you can't even see the kingdom of god you don't even understand the way god actually chooses to function in his kingdom he goes on how can someone be born when they're old so nicodemus is like born again what do you mean born again nicodemus asked surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born jesus answered very truly i tell you no one can what is the word enter the kingdom of god unless they are born of water and of the spirit which is jesus way of saying born again first he says you nicodemus you, you can't even see you can't even fathom you can't even understand the way god's kingdom works unless you're born again now he says you can't enter the kingdom of god now when we hear the term enter the kingdom of god today in church world we usually think of well that that means man when you die you're going to go to heaven. You're, you're going to enter the kingdom of God. That is not what Jesus was talking about here. Now, now, it ultimately is true enough, but that's not what his real point was. He was talking about entering the kingdom of God right then and there. He was saying to Nicodemus, you not only can't see it, you don't understand the way the kingdom of God functions. You yourself, Nicodemus, you, the elite leader of the people of israel you can't enter into it unless you're born again and now he now he gets real specific he says born of water and of the spirit which is synonymous with born again well, what was he talking about born of water it's talking to about the baptism of john the baptist john the baptist came along and he starts warning all israel he says the christ is coming the messiah is coming we need to repent we need to get ready to change our minds change our lives to be led by the messiah he's going to tell us the truth about god the truth about life and we have to prepare for that the pharisees were called also to repent they were highly insulted it was like how could you call us to repent we're already righteous we're already holy we're already good so jesus is telling nicodemus this pharisee he's saying man unless unless you respond to john the Baptist's call to be baptized as a symbol of your repentance your preparation of heart and then he goes on to say and and you must also be taught by the spirit or you must be born of the spirit what was he talking about there now the rest of the passage is going to explain what he meant but i'm going to give you a little bit ahead of time to be born of the spirit was that you're going to respond to the revelation the unprecedented revelation that god is going to give about himself as he reveals himself in christ and through christ to the world in a way that's never been done before the whole bible is god progressively revealing himself but now in christ the spirit of god is going to reveal the truth about god the way god thinks the way god feels in other words they knew about god's power they knew something about god's righteousness by his laws They couldn't quite understand the heart of God, the passion, the mercy, the tenderness, the goodness. Now, the Spirit of God was going to reveal in Christ that God is both the the most almighty, invulnerable person in the universe, but He's also the kindest, the most gentle, the most tender hearted. In other words, he's the best person in the universe if, if somebody needs to be the judge of all he he's the one you want to stand before to be judged because nobody in my life nobody in your life will ever be as kind ever be as merciful ever be as gentle ever be as for you for me than god this was a new revelation about god this was now the the veil was going to be as it were torn back and the spirit of god was going to reveal the truth about god all through jesus this comes out more clearly as we go on in this passage so let's go on a little further he says Jesus still speaking to Nicodemus he says look man f- flesh gives birth to flesh but spirit gives birth to spirit he he was saying this to Nicodemus because Jews believed that by being born Jewish <laughs> just by virtue of being born Jewish they were already God's chosen and that was true to a degree <clears throat> but they didn't understand what chosen really meant what chosen meant was this was was they were given a tremendous privilege God chose them the Jews the Jewish nation to be recipients of his word his written revelation they were chosen given a privilege to receive it to protect it to pass it on accurately so they were chosen they were chosen to be God's representatives as they trusted God in his word and as they obeyed it they were representing God accurately to the rest of the world it was a privilege but they took it to mean that they were automatically kind of in his eternal kingdom automatically saved is a term we might use um, my, my grandfather who i lived a lot of my life with um he uh, he never made an honest dollar in his life um he, he during prohibition some of you don't even know what prohibition is look it up online you'll, you'll understand but during prohibition he was a, a whiskey runner got shot in his arm from that point on he was a what they called a bookie in those days illegal bookie you know gambling and all that. my man never made an honest dollar in his life stone gangster all his life uh, nice to me when my mother would throw me out he took me in so it was it was okay but but he was jewish and and when i became a christian <clears throat> i would try to talk to him about the importance of of christ and trusting in christ you know and uh he, he would say to me uh, i'm i'm one of god's chosen and i'm like chosen <laughs> you're a gangster <laughs> you know? you've never made an honest dollar in your life <laughs> but he really believed that just because he was born a jew he was chosen, which made it very hard to get through to him, by the way. I never did, as far as I know, anyhow. So uh, he's telling Nicodemus, man, you're, you're counting on your physicality, your physical birth. He's saying, uh uh-uh, uh, that's not the way this works. It says God gives a revelation of himself in Jesus, it's how you respond to that revelation that starts a new life over again to be born again or born of the spirit is now that i see god now that i see how wonderful he is now that i see how trustworthy he is it changes everything in the way that i think my my decision making process my values um i start life all over again living from this new vision and understanding of the truth about god And what he reveals to be the truth about life so it's a start of a new life is what he was trying to get to nicodemus he was trying to say man it's not not your birth you you need to be born of the spirit you should not be surprised at my saying jesus goes back you must be born again nicodemus how can this be nicodemus asked you are now jesus gets a little insulting here he says you are israel's teacher said jesus and you do not understand these things now here's what's sad There are churches all across America, uh, particularly certain brands of churches, where you will hear Sunday in and Sunday out, you must be born again, you must be born again, you must be born again. And yet they are not communicating accurately what Jesus was trying to communicate in this passage at all. They They will say some form of, well, being born again, it means that you believe that Jesus died and paid the price for your sins. And so if you believe that Jesus is the sacrifice for your sins, you've been born again and you're sure of entering the kingdom of god and that unfortunately is just not the truth Um, the devil believes that fact because it is a fact it's a fact that's meant to lead us to actually trust in christ and become his follower but just believing that fact about jesus sacrificial death it doesn't do anyone any good and yet churches all over america have people saying yeah i'm saved because they believe some facts about Jesus. But as you'll see in a minute in this passage, we're not called to believe just facts about Jesus, but the facts about Jesus are meant to lead us to trust in Jesus. And that shows itself by becoming his follower. So anyway, this conversation gets intense. Um, Let's let's go to where I want to take you now. Examining God's kingdom of absolute everlasting good Nicodemus' problem, like most of the Pharisees said was that he felt he was good in the sight of God now Nicodemus was not a fool he, he knew that he had sin but he felt like, yeah, compared to everybody else though you know, I'm, I'm still good and I, I'm doing the things that God requires religiously so that God considers me good but goodness, goodness is something that has to be absolute or it's not good let me give you a simple example if, if, if you had a glass of milk, I don't drink milk myself, but you might have a glass of milk, and I took one drop, just a tiny drop of deadly poison and put it in the milk, does the, does the poison get milked or does the milk get poisoned? What do you think? Does the milk get poisoned or does the poison get milked? Are you going to drink it if I drop the poison in it? No, because it's poison. It's not. So what I'm saying is, is that goodness has to be absolute. Let me, let me give it to you. You, you didn't get it. Away. I'm trying to give. If I have white gloves on and I plunge them into the mud, does the mud get glovey, or do the gloves get muddy? <laughs> right? Evil of any dimension spoils good. Let, listen, until there is true absolute good, which is what God's kingdom will ultimately be and have for eternity you and I will always have to have fear to some degree we will always have insecurity we will never have the kind of peace we would like to have there will always be conflict there will always be broken hearts there will always be broken lives there will always be crime there will always be war and and, and disease and so forth we desire a truly good world but but there can't be this mixture of good and evil remember the tree in the middle of the garden it was the knowledge of good and evil there can't be any evil because once you add any degree of evil good is nullified to a great degree and so god's kingdom is a kingdom of absolute goodness the pharisees though they didn't understand they thought that good means doing certain religious things and then god looks down and says way to go you you merit you merit my favor and yet Jesus is trying to get across. No, no, no. You have to be good like God Himself is good. That's the ultimate goal. God will transform us to that way. There was a guy that came to Jesus in Mark chapter 10. He had kind of the same thing in mind. He's a young man, he's wealthy, and, and he's sincere. He he literally falls on his knees in front of Jesus and he says, Good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I mean, that's a setup, is it not? You know, I think almost any of us could answer to that one. Well, Jesus says what well, we would never say to the guy. He says, oh, you want to have eternal life? Keep all the commandments of God. And this young guy says, well, well, Lord, I've done that since I was a kid. And it says Jesus looked at him and loved him. And he says, okay, he says, sell all you have and come follow me. And it says the young man went away sad because he was very wealthy now the point was not that everybody has to sell all they have the point is is that everybody that is going to be good will respond to jesus and must follow him any goodness that i have that you have that we have it's only going to be as a result of our trusting in and following jesus and so the point was is that goodness Of the sort that is necessary for universal eternal well-being and happiness it's the kind of goodness that can only be imparted to us by Jesus Nicodemus didn't understand that he thought his goodness was good enough compared to that of others in chapter uh, three of Romans we have this kind of really laid out clearly for us it says there's no one righteous not even one for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God meaning that I was made in the image of God and I was meant to live the way God lives and love the way God loves I'm meant to have his same glory because it's necessary for all of us to live the way God lives and love the way God loves for eternal joy and peace to be a reality so we fall short of that with our sins and then these are some of the manifestations the result of sin that is existing in us it was existing in Nicodemus their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness their feet are swift to shed blood ruin and misery mark their ways and the way of peace they do not know isaiah 64 takes us to a whole different way old testament prophet some 700 years before jesus he says look he says "We're, we're all infected and impure with sin infected he makes it sound like an internal condition and it is he says when we display our what kind of deeds righteous deeds they are nothing but what does it say filthy rags that sounds insulting (laughs) so like we go to that soup kitchen and you know we help that person give them a blanket it's almost it's nothing but filthy rags he's saying that human beings even when we're at our best our goodness tends to be tainted we tend to be good for something i'll I'll touch on that later our motives tend not to be pure in other words goodness is worthy to be pursued and done for its own intrinsic beauty goodness is is worthy to be done for no reason at all it's 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 worthy it's just good but sometimes we're we're good but we're good because we're trying to gain something for ourselves. we're trying to appease God or we're trying to you know manipulate God into blessing us and so our, our motives tend to be tainted James adds this this says whatever is good and perfect comes from God the creator of all goodness any goodness that a human being has or anyone in the universe we 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 get it as a result of interacting relating being united to god he's the source of all goodness now let's go back to this conversation between nicodemus and jesus again now now mind you this is jesus saying this what we're about to read because we've read this you know multiple times probably some of us you know john three sixteen, but i don't know that we've ever thought in our minds wait a minute jesus was actually saying this to someone he was saying it to nicodemus so he says for god so loved the world that he gave his only and unique son. Jesus is talking about himself to Nicodemus. Why? Why did God give his only unique son? So that, so that everyone who does what? Trusts in him, not in what he did, not in his finished work on the cross. Trusts in him. Jesus has not yet gone to the cross. Trusts in him may have what? Eternal life. So, Jesus is telling Nicodemus, essentially, if you trust in me, Nicodemus, you can have eternal life. It goes further. You can have eternal life instead of being utterly destroyed, which some versions say perish. Verse 18. Those who trust in who? Him, Jesus. Jesus is still talking to Nicodemus about himself. Those who trust in him are not judged. That word could easily be translated condemned. He's saying that that once you trust in me... Your, your concern about goodness is answered because Jesus is God in the flesh he's the standard of goodness he says those that trust in him are not judged not condemned those who do not trust have been judged or condemned already in that they have not trusted in the one who is God's only and unique son goes on to say this in verse 19 now this is the judgment or this is the condemnation that light meaning jesus has come into the world but people loved darkness rather than light but everyone who does what is true comes to the light so so let's cut through this what is jesus saying jesus is is essentially saying nicodemus i know you think you're good i know you pharisees think you're good i know you think you're good enough in the sight of god and that your standard of goodness is all that god's concerned about but nicodemus if you were really good If you were really good, man, you would be drawn to me because here I am, I'm God, revealing himself in his fullness so that you can really partake of true goodness, absolute goodness, the kind of goodness that will last for eternity. And he's saying that if someone is not drawn to Jesus, is not attracted to him, does not trust in him, they're they're already condemned. They don't have to wait till judgment day. They're They're already judged and condemned because they have no... They have no attraction to this, this, this completely vulnerable revelation that God has given of himself in Jesus. I mean, when you, when you go and you hang on a cross for someone that doesn't even like you, doesn't even care about you, and you tell them, I'm hanging on this cross because I love you, and, and I want you to just be willing to trust me. I, I want you to be with me forever. I want you to have the kind of life that I created you to have, and I'll do anything. I'll, I'll let you spit on me. I'll let you nail me to a cross. I'll let you make fun of me. If that's what it takes to let you know, that i love you more than you could possibly love yourself i know what's best want what's best but i need you to trust me because i can't give you what i want to give you unless you trust me so jesus is telling nicodemus if you're good you'll be drawn to me but if you're not drawn to me like his pharisee buddies were he said your goodness is not really goodness it's a powerful message to to us today now remember what I'm hoping to do in this series is just to help us have intentional spiritual conversations with people but to do so in ways that it's easier for us less pressure uh, less tension less stress and even more effective so let me give you a couple summary thoughts and and we're going to get to that part it's goodness first of all it can't be measured by comparing ourselves with others Nicodemus goodness he felt like he was good because he compared himself with others we can always find somebody a little worse than us can't we I mean, man, I can, I can always, I mean, w- years ago, we, we went and visited, um, uh, in Mexico, we visited um, some Mayan villages, primitive Mayan villages, just curious, anybody ever been there? I mean, they still don't have any electricity, it's really kind of cool, and, and when I was in those Mayan villages, I started noticing, man, I was like a Nephilim uh, amongst those Mayans, I mean, I was towering over most of those Mayans, you know, so compared to them, I was a giant of a man. <laughs> But as soon as I came back to the United States, I was just a shrimp once again. <laughs> so we can compare, but comparisons are not accurate. They're not true. Nicodemus was comparing himself to others, and he felt good, but it was, it was false. It was not true. Goodness can't be measured by comparing ourselves with others. Rather, by our response to God's self-revelation in Christ. A truly good person will always seek the highest model of goodness available. I challenge anyone ever to to find a higher model of goodness than God as he's revealed himself in Christ. So if Nicodemus was the good man that he thought he was, he would be drawn to Jesus. By the way, when Jesus was crucified, Nicodemus ultimately came out of the closet, and he goes to Pilate to get Jesus' body, and he takes like 75 pounds of burial, um, you know, perfumes and wrappings and things like that. So he does become a follower of Jesus ultimately. Secondly, goodness is derived from God and can only be sustained through a freely chosen union with him. Goodness is not something that I will just kind of get one dose of and I'm good to go. No. Goodness, I have to stay in union with God It's as I walk with God, as I learn his will, learn his ways, learn his word, and continue to do this right on to eternity. God is the source of goodness, and goodness will only be that which we are imparted as we interact with him freely, trusting in him. One last part of this. Pharisaical goodness is calculating and contrived. Okay, I want you to think what I'm saying. In other words, the Pharisees, Nicodemus, his gang of guys, they were good because they were trying to appease God. They were trying to make sure that at the end of life, the elevator would go up. They were trying to make sure they could get God's favor, blessing them financially and materially in this life. They were good for something. In other words, they weren't just good for the fact that good is intrinsically worthy to be pursued. They were good because they wanted to manipulate God. They were mercenary. They were appeasement-based. They were good for something. Now, here's the key to this. On the other hand god wants his people to be good and he does jesus said in matthew 5 20 said unless his followers unless our righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the pharisees and he didn't mean some contractual judicial righteousness he meant our actual conduct our actual heart our actual motives our actual lives he said unless our righteousness exceeds the pharisees he said we won't even enter the kingdom of heaven god wants his people to be good for what nothing let that sink in for a minute that's the first one ad I've ever found that I qualify for I can do that good for nothing (laughs) are you good for nothing because God wants people that are good for nothing what am I getting at he wants people that are not good to earn something from him or to try to manipulate him or get something out of him he wants people to see goodness as so so beautiful so wonderful so worthy that we are good just because it's right it's good it's holy it's beautiful it's wonderful it's beneficial god wants his people to be good for nothing that's a superior level of goodness that god wants for his people to have so he then said to Nicodemus, he said man you can't even see the kingdom of god you don't understand how it functions he said and you can't enter the kingdom of god so let's go on to that experiencing god's kingdom of absolute everlasting goodness Jesus was not talking about Nicodemus entering into his kingdom at the end of life. He was talking about entering into his kingdom right now. We enter, if we enter the kingdom of God at all, we enter into it in this life. We experience the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus was talking about. Well, what what is the kingdom of God? It is the rule of God. It is when I, because of my trust in Jesus, say, I want you as my king. I want you to rule every area of my life i want you to tell me what to do because i'm stupid i don't know what to do i want you to correct me i want you to redirect me i i need your rule and i want your rule in my life i know you know what's best i know you want what's best i want you to be my king the kingdom of god starts in real time and nicodemus didn't quite get that part of it either First Peter says this it's kind of very similar to what Jesus said he said to Nicodemus you got to be born again first Peter Peter says you have been he's writing to followers of Christ living in Rome he says you have been born again not of perishable seed but of imperishable through the living and enduring what now Jesus said to to Nicodemus he said you need to be born of the spirit you need to be born again of the spirit of God remember the water and the spirit but here it says instead of the spirit it says the word why because they're one and the same we have as much of the spirit of God in us as we have the word of God in us The, the 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 word of God is the spirit of God expressing the mind the thoughts the plans the purposes the feelings the intent of God and so when Jesus said to Nicodemus you got to be born of the spirit he's saying you got to take this revelation that God's giving of himself in me and primarily of course it was looking toward his sacrificial death on the cross and and now you have to take that as it's going to be elaborated upon in the word the rest of the new testament and and that's what will bring you to to life in a new way you will become a new person because this truth will now govern you this new perspective on God this new perspective on life will govern you it'll it'll start putting your values together your priorities your decision-making processes and you will become a different person born of the spirit and born of the word same same thing together We have as much of the spirit of God active in in us as we have the word of God active in us. Colossians gives us kind of a breakdown of this whole thing about the kingdom. It says, he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. We didn't know who we were, why we are here, what we were doing, why things were as they were in the world. We were in darkness, just stumbling around, fumbling, trying to see what, what works, what gives us a little pleasure. We were in the kingdom of darkness, and he brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. When Jesus, when I inaugurate Jesus as my king, because I trust him which means I bow the knee to Jesus and anything he tells me to do I do and anything he tells me to stop I stop not out of fear but out of because I trust him I have faith in him he puts us in the kingdom of the son he loves and in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins this is good news God comes proclaiming forgiveness for all that will return to him in trust it adds to this it says the son is the image of the invisible God for God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him. That's what I said earlier. God reveals himself in his fullness in Jesus. And so Jesus says to Nicodemus, if you don't trust in me in essence, he said then your goodness it's not sufficient goodness because God's now revealing everything that he can reveal about himself in Jesus and particularly his sacrificial death which this verse goes on to, or this passage goes on to talk about. And through him, many Jesus to reconcile to himself that's a relational term we were in a state of distrusting God because of Satan's slander of the character of God and now Jesus has revealed the truth about God particularly a sacrificial death on the cross to reconcile us back to bring us back in a trusting union with himself to reconcile all things to himself whether things on earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross it was the cross that shows us that the almighty God the judge of all is also the most sacrificially tender loving gentle safe person in the whole universe and that brings us back to a place where we can trust him and and into a state where god can impart true absolute eternal goodness to us jesus kind of said it this way in john 10 27 he said my sheep listen to my voice and i know them and they what follow me anybody that we meet that calls themselves christian that is not actively following jesus they're deceiving themselves if they're just believing in some formulas about jesus that's not sufficient trusting in him will always show itself by an active life of following him which means an active life of learning his will in his word and putting it into practice or obeying it my sheep no i know them and they follow me and i give them what does he give them eternal life and they shall never perish no one will snatch him out of my hand john 12 26 whoever serves me jesus is still talking whoever serves me must what follow me and where i am my servant what does it say also will be my father will honor the one who serves me here's the point i was trying to make by that last verse god's emphasis is not about gaining entrance into somewhere we tend to think about, man, I want to make sure at the end of life I'm going to go somewhere. I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to go to the new heaven, the new earth, Revelation 21. I want to make sure I'm going somewhere to the right place. That is not God's emphasis. God's emphasis is not about gaining entrance into somewhere, rather, it is about being united to someone which is God as he's revealed himself in Christ, and so forever be in the somewhere. Jesus said in John 12, 26, where I am, there will my servant be also. If I'm united to Jesus, then I'm going to be where he is. My primary focus needs to be on not making sure I'm going somewhere, but making sure I'm united to the right someone. Now, I want to close with giving some suggestions because the way I started this was I said, I want to help us, if possible, to have intentional spiritual conversations, even with the so-called good person that are hard, really hard to talk to, but to communicate with them effectively, where we don't feel all stressed up, because sometimes we feel all stressed because we feel like they're going to ask us a question we can't answer, or they're going to think that we're being intrusive, or they're think that we're looking down at them as though we're better than them. All these things. I'm going I'm to show you a way. I want you to think about one thing. Did Jesus go to this? quote good man a man that considered himself good did Jesus go and seek out Nicodemus or did Nicodemus come and seek out Jesus which did did Nicodemus seek out Jesus yes he did not go to him and confront him he waited there's something here there's something to be found all right let, let me share something with you how can we gain an open door to speak to the good person The person in our life that we know they're not a christian we know they're not a follower of christ but they're good and it's kind of intimidating how how do you how do you have an intentional spiritual conversation with someone like that in which you hope to awaken them and then ultimately get them to trust in christ but how do you do this number one this is my suggestion to you okay that's all it is i'm trying to give you something rather than having nothing if we if we haven't got something in mind the transition into these conversations can be paralyzing so speak up naturally and calmly okay i mean because sometimes we speak naturally and calmly about you know our hobbies our vocation our families our friends what what football game we watch but then when it's spiritual things we get all weird you know like "Ah," you know our eyes glass over and you know we we get tense so you gotta you gotta just talk about like you talk about anything else now i'm giving you a suggested phrase and i am suggesting take a picture of this We, we have cards printed out you can get them all on the back as you go out on, on this and what's going to follow after this. This is a suggestive phrase. You don't have to do this, but man, it's better to have something than nothing. What if you just started looking for opportunities in your circle of influence to just simply say something like this, as I'm learning from God's Word how to live like God lives and love like God loves. Why that phraseology? Because people, human beings, most people think that God just kind of imposes his will on us, imposes his ideas on us. Do this because I say do this. No, God is inviting us to, to live the way he lives. He's not asking anything more. He, he's inviting us to learn how to love like he loves because he knows that's the best gift that he can give us. So as I'm learning from God's word, I'm learning. I'm not pro. I'm not perfect. I'm not, I'm not arrived yet. As I'm learning from God's word to live like God lives and love like God loves, And here's what goes after it is changing or has changed my and these are suggested ideas so you're just sharing with somebody you say, you know as i'm learning to from god's word how to live like god lives and love like god's what man it's i gotta tell you it's it's changing the way i think it's changing the way i feel it's changing my values it's changing my priorities it, it's it's changing the way i relate to people it's changing the way i feel about myself it's, it's, IT'S BRINGING HARMONY, IT'S BRINGING ORDER, IT'S BRINGING CLARITY AND OBJECTIVITY. I, I'M FINDING MEANING, I'M FINDING PERFECT. THIS IS WHAT I'M TRYING TO SAY. HAVE OURSELVES ARMED, OKAY? God, HOW MANY OF YOU WOULD JUST SAY THAT GOD HAS DONE AT LEAST ONE THING GOOD IN YOUR LIFE? CAN I SEE YOUR HANDS? ALL RIGHT. IF YOU ONLY HAVE THAT ONE THING, HAVE IT IN MIND AND GET WHERE YOU'RE COMFORTABLE JUST SAYING IT. YOU'RE NOT TRYING TO TAKE THE CONVERSATION ANY FURTHER THAN THAT it's just like you would talk about uh you found a good restaurant you say hey man i found this great restaurant you don't care if they go or not you're just telling them it's a good restaurant you hope they go you just start saying man what what i heard on sunday in church i gotta tell you it was kind of thought provoking i I'm, i'm finding this really a worthwhile you just communicate remember what drew nicodemus he said good teacher we know that unless god is with someone they could not do these things that we see you're doing these signs all jesus was doing was was helping hurting people that's all he was doing when we start communicating god's helping me god god's bringing something additional to me we just start sharing these things calmly rationally people will start to listen and particularly the religious but lost that we're talking about the person that thinks they're good enough already they'll they'll maybe want to have a conversation you wait till wait till they come to you don't go to them because they'll be offended that's 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 my opinion on that so i'm giving you suggestions we have them on we have them printed on, on a piece of paper if you go out or you want it you can take a picture of this but this this is a key way we can easily and effectively start to speak into the life potentially to that person that's religious but lost now the worst thing i can imagine would be that you would sit here today and be religious but lost but it could happen if i'm dependent upon my own goodness if i think that there's something that i can do say think give that's going to merit uh god's favor on me i'm i'm deluded he already favors me he already favors you he already favors every human being alive He just needs us to be willing to authentically trust Him. He waits to see if we authentically like Him. He won't won't intrude in our lives. But if we are drawn to God as He's revealed Himself in Christ and put our trust in Him and become His follower, well, then He promises us eternal life. And that eternal life is not just chronological, it's qualitative, it starts right now in this life. As I start learning to live the way God lives, and love the way God loves, I start to experience the life that is qualitatively eternal, God's kind of life right now. I hope, I so hope, I just just spoke to everyone in this room that you're already one that has put your trust in Christ. You are his follower and now you're eager. You wanna have spiritual conversations with people. You know that God's called us and invited us to be those that influence others toward Christ. And we can do this without being awkward, without being weird, without being offensive in most cases and we can do it more effectively, I, I suspect, than what we ever dreamed. So let's, let's close in prayer and ask God to kind of strengthen us to that end. Father, you, you know the fears we have. You know the circle of influence You've put us in. Grant us strength and wisdom and purpose of mind that we will take these, these suggestions, modify them the way You would have us modify them, but that we will be those that intentionally have spiritual conversations with those, even those hard to reach, those, those good people that might be in our lives. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen.